like Pastor Monty said, my name is Casey, and it's so good to be with you this morning. I have a couple questions for you. Have you ever gone to a restaurant, ordered a medium rare steak, and they bring you a well-done steak? Yes, boo is right. What about this? Have you ever told your child, maybe your teenage child, to do the dishes, you go to work, you come home, the dishes are still not done? Been there before? Right? Boo is right, right? Have you ever went on a trip and it took twice as long because of construction? Right? Have you ever started working out and two weeks later you step on the scale and nothing changes? Right? Right? It happens, right? Have you ever expected Nebraska to beat Iowa and they lose by a last second field goal? Like, oh my gosh, all the, boo is right. If you're cheering for that, get out. Like, where's our safety team? You're not welcome here. But in all seriousness, we all have expectations. But what happens when our expectations go unmet? Unmet expectations can lead to disappointment and resentment. So welcome to Meadows Church, and hopefully you don't leave disappointed or resentful of Meadows Church. I'm going to do my best here, um, but I'm excited for today because that's what we're talking about. Unmet expectations can lead to disappointment and also can lead to resentment. And hopefully, everybody here, you had a great Thanksgiving. Like, hopefully you had time with family, friends, had, ate a lot of food. But with, with the holidays, especially Thanksgiving, there's certain expectations, right? You know, turkey and stuffing, um, pumpkin pie, hopefully a nap. Some people, I don't understand why, some people expect the Cowboys to win, which, like, that's not going to happen, right? Like, the, the expectations. But sometimes our holiday expectations go unmet. This Thanksgiving... My expectations were to go back home, spend it with family, eat turkey and stuffing, you know, enjoy the, you know, the Thanksgiving things. But instead, I stayed home sick on the couch. Instead of eating, oh, thank you, yes, it was terrible. I was very disappointed. But instead of eating turkey and stuffing, I was eating soup. Instead of being with family, I was all by myself. So you could say my Thanksgiving did not go as planned. It was, it was definitely unmet expectations. It was a disappointing Thanksgiving. And actually, not to be the, you know, Debbie Downer here, but like the last two weeks have been kind of unexpected for me. My expectations when it came to work were definitely not met. So I've been at TD Ameritrade for the last two years. So about two, two weeks ago, I was told some news that, hey, Casey, you know, your position, we're going to move some things around, you need to find a new position within TD Ameritrade. Like, okay, that's, okay, that's fine, not a big deal. Then, then this last week, to put things even more, all of a sudden this company decides to come along and, and buy out TD Ameritrade. So once again, Unmet expectations can lead to disappointment and maybe even resentment. So those are the things that change. But what about, like, what about our relationships? Has anybody here ever had any unmet expectations? Hopefully you're, you're not sitting by someone that this has happened to. But they can happen in relationships, right? As a parent, most of the time, if I don't communicate my expectations to my son, that's my problem, right? If I don't communicate my expectations to my son, that gives me no right to get upset with him. So I have to set some clear expectations with my son for bedtime. Like, hey, buddy, when it's bedtime, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to read a Bible story, and we're going to pray. That's it. That's your expectations. He knows the expectations, so now when he's not doing those things, I can remind him, like, hey, buddy, these are the expectations. But when we, we don't communicate expectations, that can also lead to disappointment and resentment. Like, who, who can tell me what, what's probably the number one cause of divorce? 
money, but it's probably probably because of unmet expectations. Miscommunication because we're not, our unmet expectations leads to something else. But that's in all relationships. That's in, that's in life as a whole, right? We can all agree that unmet expectations can lead to disappointment. It can lead to resentment. And so we can all relate in this, and I don't know where you're at in life. I have no idea what you've experienced or what you expect in life. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you're expecting your career to be way further along than it, than it is currently. Maybe you're expecting that, 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 that next promotion, but someone else got it. That can lead to some disappointment, right? Maybe you're sitting here today, and you're expecting to be out of debt. That hasn't happened yet, so you're feeling deflated. Maybe you're sitting here today, and there's this an addiction that you've had, and you have been praying for it to be gone, but it isn't. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you're expecting to be married by now, and you are sitting here depressed. Once again, unmet expectations can lead to disappointment and can even lead to resentment. But what about, what about the church? When you think about the church, but even before we get to that point, like if you're sitting there and you fit any of those categories, I want you to know, don't get discouraged. Don't be disappointed yet. The Bible says wait on the Lord. He still has a plan for you. He still has a purpose for your life. So no matter where you're at, if your expectations have not been met yet, there's still hope for you because God is still good. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose for your life. The Bible is full of examples of this, right? People had to wait on the Lord. Think about it, right? Abraham had to wait several years for his son. Jacob had to, had to wait forever for Rachel, seven years to be exact, right? J- Joseph spent time in the prison before he got to the palace. So people had to wait before the expectations were met, a lot of times, our expectations aren't even the right expectations. In this series, we're talking about is I believe in God, but. I believe in God, but. The first week, we talked about I believe in God, but, but can he, I don't believe he can change me. Last week, Monty did a great job talking about I believe in God, but I trust in money. This week, we're talking about I believe in God, but not the church. But not the church. And maybe you're sitting there, and maybe you've been hurt by the church. And for that, I'm sorry. Maybe you're sitting there and you have expectations of the church. Maybe you expect the church to be this, a building, right? Maybe you expect it just to be a place. Maybe you expect the church to be a certain type of music. Or maybe you expect the message to be preached in such a way. Maybe there's been expectations that have gone unmet that have caused you to maybe leave the church or maybe even be disappointed in the church. So we're talking about that today. And, and with that being said, um, Jesus can relate to us. When Jesus was here on earth, people had expectations of him. When Jesus was on earth, people had certain expectations of him. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke 15, whether it's your, your physical Bible or if you have a, a mobile app, I encourage you to get that. Go to Luke 15. That's where we're going to start. We're going to, we're going to be starting in verse 17. But to set up our, our time together today, verse, or excuse me, chapter 15, it, it starts out by saying Jesus was teaching to the tax collectors and the sinners. As Jesus was doing that, as Jesus was teaching to the tax collectors and the sinners, all of a sudden, the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they see this. And their expectation is not being met. Like, Why is Jesus hanging out 
with the sinners and the tax collectors. Why would he be doing that? So then Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, he would start telling stories. He started, also called parables. And what he would do is he would talk about these first two parables. The first one was, what, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, would you not go find it? The next one would be, like, hey, if you had ten coins and you lost one of those coins, would you not do everything you could to find it? And once you found it, wouldn't you celebrate it? Like, wouldn't you be happy once that thing is found? So those are the first two parables. The next parable is a very popular parable. It's probably one of the most famous parables next to the Sermon on the Mount, like the prodigal son. I'm sure we've all heard it, and that's where we're going to get started on verse 17. But to set it up, there was a father. He had two sons. One of the sons, the younger son, is the prodigal son. He goes to his father and says, Hey, father, I want my inheritance now. Give my inheritance right now. Once the father gives him his inheritance, so the younger son, he would get one-third of everything the father had. The oldest son would get, would get two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger son would get a third of it. So the, the older father had to liquidate some assets, give it to his son. The son would take what he was given by the father, and he would skip town. He would go into a distant land. He would live life as he wanted to live it, and he would do the things that he wanted to do, and that got him in some trouble. Because sooner than later, he ran out of everything. No more money, no more nothing, no more family, no more friends. Pretty poor timing because at that same point in time, all of a sudden a famine swept over the land. So here this young son is with nothing. So he finds himself pleading with a farmer, pleading with this farmer, saying, hey, I need a job. I need something. And this farmer reluctantly gives him a job. So, so this young son goes to the pig pen, starts feeding pigs, and all of a sudden he has this revelation. All of a sudden he realizes it. So in verse 17, this is what it says. It says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So this is him just thinking what he's going to say when he goes home. Like He's like, I don't even know if he's my... I don't know if my dad's going to accept me back as a son. If I could just be back as a servant, if I could just, just be there as a servant, I'd be, more, I'd be better taken care of than I am now. So verse 20 says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. What's this tell us? The father was actually looking for the son to see him coming. Important part. So filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, if you remember what he was going to say to his father, the next line that the son was going to say to the father was, take me back as a servant. The father doesn't even let him finish the sentence. The father doesn't even let him finish his request. He says this, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must, say must, we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. 
And I, I believe there's going to be a day here at Meadows Church when we read something from Scripture. We're going to start celebrating when we read it. Like, that's something that we should be celebrating about because that is us, right? When we come home, the Father celebrates, the heavens celebrate when someone, when 234 people come to Meadows and say yes to Jesus, the heavens are celebrating, right? That's something to celebrate. We will never stop celebrating that. Never stop celebrating that. And so the party began. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. He says, your brother is back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Verse 28. The older brother was angry. He was disappointed. He was resentful and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. He pleaded with him, but the son replied, all these years I've slayed for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time, you'd never given me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Once again, that's something that we celebrate, that the loss has been found. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You know why I'm by these tax collectors? You know why I'm by these sinners? Because that's why I came. Right? He says, that is why I came. And we'll get to that here in a second. But so there's three characters, right? There's a repentant son, the righteous son, and the seeking and forgiving father. So the repentant son is probably all of us here, some of us here, where we thought we could do life better on our own, where we thought we had it figured out and we don't need community, we don't need family. So he took everything he had, he went and lived a life that he felt he could live, and what he found out was that he couldn't. He was alone, he was empty, and he was missing something. There was a void in his life. And that was me for the longest time. I grew up going to church. I grew up going to this church, United Church of Christ, back in Scotland, South Dakota. Um, it was a very traditional church. But every Sunday, that's where we went. Went to Sunday school, went to confirmation. But as I got older, all of a sudden, just like the prodigal son, I felt like, you know what? I got this thing figured out. I can do life on my own. So for t- over 10 years, especially through high school and college, I was maybe not even a Christmas Easter churchgoer. I was a prodigal son. I was trying to do life on my own. And maybe that's someone here. Maybe you grew up in church, and now you're coming back. Maybe you're coming back, and you got to know that your Heavenly Father is been looking for you, he's been waiting for you, and he's telling you right now, welcome home. We are so glad you're back. That's why every weekend we'll say, welcome home. Just like the Heavenly Father's arms open wide with love and compassion, welcome home. You are loved, you are wanted. And that's good news. Welcome home. But then, so we have the repentant son, we also have the righteous son. The righteous son. And when, when I think if you go back to the repentant son, his expectations were, there's no way my father's going to expect me back. 
the righteous son, his expectations, why would you accept him back? Why would you? Listen again what the righteous son said. All these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. The righteous son missed it. His expectations, it was all about me. It was all about I. Listen to that again. It's like, you never did anything for me. It was all about me and I and what I get and what I get to do. The righteous son missed the boat. And that's where I think the church misses the boat as well. When we think the church is about us, it's all about me. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So the, the righteous song was full of resentment. It was all about him. And then finally, when we talk about the seeking and forgiving father, he was seeking because he was looking. I guarantee you the righteous song never once even looked for his younger brother. Never even cared to go seek him. If you go back and look at that whole passage again, it doesn't even say my brother. It says your son. Crazy, right? Didn't even acknowledge his own brother. Your son. You did this for your son, not my brother. Wouldn't even acknowledge him. But the Heavenly Father gladly took him back. That's the very nature of who God is. Right? That is who God is. Welcoming back. Making orphans adopted into the family. That's what the prodigal son was and is. Is an orphan. And the loving Father will gladly accept you back. And he will gladly adopt you. And so that's why Jesus is telling this parable. That's why in Luke 19 it says this, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's Jesus. That's who he is. That's what the the Father was doing. He was seeking after his Son. I guarantee you there wasn't a day that went by that the Father did not think of his younger son. I mean, he was just, just thinking, where is my son? I wish he was here with us. I wish he was part of the family. I wish he was a part of this. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. So if we were going back to our title today is that I believe in God, but not the church. If I believe in God, but not the church. And maybe, like I said before, is that our expectations have gone unmet. We've expected the church just to be a building, an hour-long gathering. And if you come to Meadows, you know that's not true. Monty can be long-winded. At times, at times, right? But maybe you came expecting certain music to play, like I talked about. Maybe you expected something that was never met. And that, I believe, is maybe where we have got it wrong as people. And I believe as the church, we've done a poor job explaining what the church is. So, and Jesus does a great job talking about this, that, that the church is not a building, it's not a ministry, it's not a place. It's that the church are the people, and the people are the church. And we don't just go to church, we actually get to be the church. That's who we are, that's who we get to be, is the actual church. The fulfillment of the church is us as people. Not this Beardmore Event Center. Like our trailer burned down, this building could burn down, and we would still have church. Right? Even if this building burnt down, church would still happen. We would still worship God. We would still come here and gather together. So as the church are the people and the people are the church, we get to not just go to church, we get to be the church. And look what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2. 
It says, together, we, us, are his house. We are the house. Built up the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. I hate to break it to you. Pastor Monty, as great and as amazing as he is, he is not the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the head. He said, I will build my church. And he even says, that, hey, husbands, submit your, lives to your, submit your lives to your wives as I have submitted my life to the Christ and gave my life up for it. He loved the church so much he would die for it. And then he said, I will build my church. So Jesus Christ is the head. We are the body. And guess what? When you're not, he- when you're not here, the body suffers. The body needs you. Each and every one of you, you are needed. And a question came to me this morning, even like, like what, if, what if the church wasn't supposed to meet my needs? What if I'm supposed to be the needs of the church? What if you're not here and there was someone that came on a Sunday and they needed you, your gifts, your talents? You had something that that person needed, but you chose to be like the righteous son and say, hey, no, I don't care. It's about me. It's all about me. I've done that church thing. Maybe I've been hurt by the church. Our unmet expectation of the church can lead us to leave the church. We're not leaving the church. We're leaving the people. We're leaving the body of Christ. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple to the Lord. Carefully joined together. You can't be joined together doing life alone. We need each other. And the crazy thing is when we gather together, we start growing together. We start growing in our faith because we can, we can encourage one another. We can challenge one another. We can meet each other's needs. It's something amazing that happens that when we grow together and we join together, the church grows. But not just that. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 28. <laughs> this is what Jesus told his disciples. This is the the great commission, right? You know, Meadows has a mission. That mission flows out of this great commission. He says that all authority has been given to me. On heaven and on earth, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all my commands. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So go make disciples. The key theme there is making disciples. But to do that, we have to go. To do that, we have to gather. Right? We have to gather to, to, to make disciples. We have to gather to baptize. We have to gather to make sure we're learning about Jesus and how to live like Jesus and how to do life like Jesus would do it here on earth. And as we do that, we continue to go. We continue to go. So you just need to know this. As the church gathers, as we as the people of God grow together, then we can go. And you just you know, healthy churches, they grow and go. Healthy churches do what? They grow and they go. Healthy churches grow and they go. And we cannot be healthy if we're not part of the body. That's why the church is important. Because you are the church. Each and every one of us is 
the church. So what if we change our expectations? If it's not just a Sunday gathering, it's not just an hour of my time, it is your opportunity to be the church. Now there's someone next to you right now that might need prayer, that might need someone to just tell them welcome home, that might, not, might just need a smile. Like we can actually be the church. We actually get to be the body of Christ. And that's just something truly, truly amazing. And I think once we change our expectations of the church, we're going to start expecting the unexpected. If we start changing our expectations of what the church is and what the church does, we can start expecting the unexpected to start happening because that's who God is. He's in the business of changing lives and we've seen it happen here. It's been truly, truly amazing. But like it says, healthy churches grow and go. There's some stats I want to share with you. 80% of churches, 80% of churches are either declining or plateauing. They're not growing. They're not going. Do I know the reason of those? Probably, I don't know all the churches and what they do, but I guarantee you it's expectations. Get this next one. 16% are adding. Meaning people are coming maybe on a daily, every week. New people might be joining every week. 16% are adding. So those churches are probably growing. 4% are reproducing but are not multiplying. Meaning maybe they'll do like a multi-site or a different campus somewhere else, but they're not multiplying. 0% of churches are multiplying. God says be fruitful and multiply. And when we think about healthy churches, how they grow and how they go, be fruitful and multiply means we want to be a church that makes disciples, that make disciples, that plant churches, that plant churches. Because even though what we're doing here at Meadows Church is great, 234 people is truly amazing. And you here being here today is amazing. But there is a world, there is a community that have a lot of prodigal sons and daughters in it. And we've been making a dent, but we want to truly make a, di a difference here in the community. And we can do that, but we have to be willing to grow and to go. We can make a difference if we continue to grow as a people, if we grow, go as a people, and then, all of a sudden, you'll see this community and something starts changing. The atmosphere starts changing because of the people and they're actually not just going to church, they're being the church. They're actually being the body of Christ and taking Jesus wherever they go. One of my, one of my favorite movies is, is The Hobbit. Anybody with me? Anybody like The Hobbit? Maybe I'm a nerd. I'm okay with it. I enjoy the I like movies because I can usually pick something from it. Like, does anybody, I believe God can use anything for his glory. Like, for me, movies do that. Like, I can find, like, winks of God in every movie. It's just amazing how I can apply it to what the scriptures say. And just, it's just fun. So, Bilbo Baggins, a hobbit, lives in the Shire, living a very comfortable life. All right, he has everything he needs no desire, doesn't need to go do anything else. He could stay where he's at and be completely fine and comfortable. All of a sudden, this wizard named Gandalf shows up and convinces him to go on this unexpected journey with 13 dwarves to help them reclaim their land. There's a part, uh, there's a part in the movie where, where, Bilbo, where Bilbo is actually explaining his actions. Like, they're asking him, like, why'd you come back? Why are you helping us? 
why are you even doing this? Why didn't you, why didn't you just leave and, and go back home? Listen to what Bilbo says. I know you doubt me. I know you always have. And you're right. I often think of Baggin. I often think of the Shire. I miss my books and my armchair and my garden. See, that's where I belong. That's home. And that's why I came, because you don't have one. Bilbo was willing to leave his comfortable, to go be uncomfortable, to go help someone find their home. Like, think about that. That's amazing. (laughs) That's the church. To leave our own selfish nature, to be unselfish, to go do something for someone else so they could possibly meet Jesus. And it's, it's been just amazing, this unexpected journey that Meadows Church has been on the last two and a half years. Monty kind of stole my thunder earlier by saying 234 people, but that's just, uh, that's unbelievable. But it's all because of seven families left their comfortable of Sioux Falls, South Dakota to come here in the Papillion Bellevue area to be here for this church so we could be the church in this community. And I, I often think, like, what if we wouldn't have, wouldn't have came? What if we would have been like the righteous son and we would have just stayed? Think about the lives that would not have been changed. So, so Meadows, we want to be a church that grows and goes. We don't ever want to get comfortable. So that's why I get the privilege of giving this message today because Meadows is on a journey. You can call it an unexpected journey, an adventure, because in nine months, we are going to be, some of us will find out who, me and my family will be leaving Meadows Church, and in nine months, starting a new church in the Northwest Omaha part, in the Bennington Elkhorn area. And that should be exciting. This is comfortable for me being here with you. But I know there's prodigals. Prodigal sons, prodigal daughters, people that don't know Jesus, that don't have a home. And we are willing to leave our comfortable to help them find that home, to be Jesus to them. And so in nine months, crossover church, which comes from John 5, 24, like whoever hears my word and believes he who sent me will cross over from death to life. We're excited because we're expecting people to cross over from death to life, to experience new life in Christ Jesus. And that's exciting. What's even more exciting is that everybody here, you have a purpose. Everybody here has a purpose. And for some of you, that purpose may be to go help start that church. For you, maybe it's to, to go be the church in that area. So in about a month, we're going to just start gathering together, having some meetings. If you want more information or you want to learn more about the plans and the vision of Crossover Church, write Crossover on your card. I would love to talk to you, be praying about it. But we're truly excited because we want to be like the Heavenly Father, seeking and saving, finding those without a home. So that's, that's some of you here. Some of you may be interested in that. 
But know that also here, there are people here that you need to grow in your faith. And you came here today like the prodigal son. You were far away from the Father. And the only way to get back in with the Father is to know Jesus and give your life to him. When you say yes to Jesus, all you're doing is saying, hey, yes, I believe that, God, you sent your son who lived a life I could not live. He went to the cross for me for the sins I've committed. He went to the tomb. That tomb is empty. And because of Jesus, I can have new life. And for someone here today, that's you. You need to say yes to Jesus. You need to grow in your faith. You need to trust him with your life. But for everybody else here, we always say you have a next step. Maybe your goal isn't to go to Northwest Omaha. Maybe your goal is to join a dream team. Because once again, the body suffers when you're not part of it. The body needs you. So maybe your goal is to join a dream team. Or maybe your goal is to take that next step. When we talk about tithes and offerings, we probably have done a poor job of explaining where some of that money goes. 10% of every weekend tithes and offering that comes in gets set aside for church planning, for multiplication. That's exciting. That's not just saying what we're doing, that's actually putting our money where our mouth is at, right? We believe in this. We believe the local church is the hope of the world. We believe there could never be enough churches. We believe every local community should have a local church with a local pastor. That it's going to take many different churches to reach a community that says 50% of people claim no religious affiliation. So Meadows doesn't want to make a, just a dent. We want to make a difference. And we believe the local church can do that and will that because it has the answer. That answer is Jesus. So today is your day to grow in your faith. Today is a day to go in your faith and to be a part of the multiplication movement. The body needs you. This community needs you. And we believe the best is yet to come. Let me pray for us. Father God, if someone would have told me 10 years ago I would be here in Omaha, Nebraska, I'd be up here giving a message. I'd be going to plant a church in a couple months. I'd laugh at them, give them a high five and tell them to get out of here. Because I was just like the prodigal son. I was so far from you. My expectations of the church were wrong. But God, I'm thankful that you as the good, good father, with arms open wide, welcomed me back into the community, forgave me for my wrongdoings, and said not just, hey, don't just come and take. The body needs you. You have gifts, you have talents, you have a purpose. And God, so for today, I pray that someone here today, I pray they know they're loved. I pray that they know they can find forgiveness. There is hope in the name of Jesus. They can cross over from death to life. And God, we all have a go. And so I just pray today that, that you reveal that to us. What is our next step? How can we be part of this body? How can our expectations change? Realizing that the church is no longer about us. If we look at the Acts 2 church, they were committed to gathering together. 
doing fellowship together, uniting together, meeting the needs of each other. That's the church. That's our prayer for Meadow Church. That's our prayer for Crossover Church. That's a prayer for all the churches in the world. We can be like the Acts 2 church, and we truly believe the local church is the hope of the world. Thank you for giving your life for it. Thank you that you said you would build it. And we truly believe the best is yet to come. Amen.